to Shelly Hack. I'm Mike Delaney, and be thankful you don't have to be me, and you are listening to T-H-E-S-O-V-P-O-D. T-H-E stands for The, and we are the SOV podcast covering every shot on video movie ever made. It's kind of like 80s all over again, but without my favorite year, or Platoon, or Driving Miss Daisy. And then plus a bunch of shit from the 90s. Joining me now, forever, and always is the hottest Brad in the solar system. Brad, from the back to the middle and around again, Henderson. Baby Brad, how are you, man? You know, Mike, it is Friday morning, and I have a cup of joe. And I'm sitting here talking to you, and I'm having the time of my life. It's a dream. Ah. It is Friday. And like the Rebecca Black song before us, kicking in the front seat, sitting in the back seat. Brad, metaphorically speaking, which seat are you in this morning, the front or the back, baby? You know, you pulled up to my house and you had that smile on your face and it just warmed my (laughs) heart. And I said shotgun, but it didn't matter. I just wanted to be in that passenger seat with you, with my arm around you. Maybe my head fell down to your lap, kind of like when Tom Matthews does it and Jason lives, and he just kind of stares at her crotch. That was kind of what I did today, and it was a beautiful, beautiful drive. It, it was kind of like Roadhead, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. You did suck my dick. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, Brad and I are together. I picked him up this morning at his house. We drove out, and we are recording live. In beautiful New Orleans, Louisiana. Or, Brad, do they say Nolens? How do they say it? Nolens. New Orleans? Nolens. Nolens. Say it again? New Orleans. Nolens. 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 New Orleans? Nolens. Nolens. <laughs> Whenever possible, we will record in the town of one of the features we are covering on the show. This week, we are covering the 1988 movie... The Last Slumber Party shot in and around historic, how do you say it, Brad? Nolens. Nolens. It is currently 48 degrees with brilliant sunshine, but shit, my man, it is cold. You need to come over here and warm me up. (laughs) We we are together, sweetheart. We are keeping each other warm. Brad, what what have you learned about Nolens since we got here, baby? Well, you know, we had some time to kill before we actually, uh, you know, started the show. So, um, wow. you know, a few things we kind of already knew that, uh, you know, voodoo was a big thing here. This is kind of like voodoo capital of the world. Um, not only that, but also a lot of people play poker. Um, so big gambling aspect around here before and after Katrina. Um, Katrina made that obviously die down a little bit, but now they're they're banging um, again and uh, – I mean, you could live on the streets in the city all night, all day. It is it is beautiful. But also, another thing is that did you know that uh, New Orleans and the surrounding areas were sold to Napoleon at the beginning of the 19th century? Whoa. You know, both uh, New like- Orleans and all the surrounding areas were sold to him, and it's also known that's what is the Louisiana Purchase of 1803 for for tater tots. That Napoleon? Napoleon Dynamite? Uh, no, no, Napoleon Bonaparte, so sorry, 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 I should have clarified. 
But it's also one of the reasons why the city became most of the important multicultural areas of the United States. Look, man, I just think it's harder than fuck to find a good Popeyes out here in Louisiana. But that's all right, because everything else is banging, man. Hey, banging. But you said the thing about poker. Yeah. You said the thing about poker. Poker, we learned, Brad and I learned this together, poker is the number one export out of New Orleans. That is true. Uh, Everybody on the show now listening. Yeah. Mm. All right, Brad. When are we leaving, baby? Um, I don't know. I think we should spend the the weekend here. Maybe, maybe leave uh, Sunday morning. You know, Sunday evening, maybe. <laughs> yeah. You are listening to us on January fifth. If you got this the day it came out, so if you are in the Nolens area, please hit us up. We are on Twitter at Mike D underscore Splat and at Brad F. F stands for from the back to the middle and around again, and also fuckworthy Henderson. So hit us up on Twitter if you want to hang out. We are indeed in New Orleans. We're we're not kidding around. This isn't like <laughs> this isn't a bit. We we spent a lot of our podcast money on uh, on plane tickets to fly out to New Orleans. It's it's ill advised, um, but we did it, and we we think the gimmick will be worth it. We don't know. We're not sure. Brad, what do you? How do you feel? I feel that we're going to go broke very, very quickly, but we're going to have a lot of fun doing it because I'm going to be with you (laughs) and you're going to be with me. Oh, I know. Roadhead. I love it. Before we jump into the movies we are covering today, which will be the first movies we ever cover on T-H-E-S-O-V-P-O-D. The T-H-E stands for The and We Are The S-O-V Podcast. We are covering all shot on video films ever made. That's weird when you say shot on video and then you say film, but look, you know what we mean. We mean fucking movies. Yeah. Uh, before we jump into our first two on this first episode, Brad and I, we discussed doing something a little different. You know, I'm thinking a little TBS 1995 bullshit, if you get my drift. Brad and I are talking about kind of like dinner and a movie, but without four courses. Brad, look, before we get into our first movie, which will be Blood Cult, what culinary delight would you uh, would you pair with this with this film, Brad? Um, <clears throat> you know, Blood Cult is one of those films where uh, we'll, we'll get into it further, of course. But it is, uh, you know, the filmmakers were competent in making a film. You know, they actually used a tripod. Uh, they focused. They made it not have any lights, but. Um, it it almost is very much like uh, a police procedural uh, film in a way. Uh, that said, I think you need to get something loud and bombastic, like you know maybe some killer nachos that Stuntman Mike has in Death Proof. I think that might be a good idea. The loudest possible, Ooh. loudest possible food that um, that you can eat during this quiet, quiet movie. <laughs> <laughs> it is, isn't it? I, I like the idea of those loud fucking nachos. Yeah, where you have to like suck the, the juices and the grease like off your fingers and you're washing it down with just glasses of water or cerveza or whatever you, you know your, your, your drink is. Uh, I like that. I like that a lot, Brad. But in all honesty, if you want, I, I, I would suggest if you're going to watch this film and um, in it all its glory, I think if you were going to get a serious meal, I would 
probably pick Tyson's Anytizer's Honey Barbecue Flavor Boneless Wings. And that's Wings, W-Y-N-G-Z. Thank you very much. <laughs> okay. And you probably get those at Walmart or Publix. Uh, you know, I think any Tizers you can have any time. Hence the name. So, Brett, Brett, ask me, ask me what I would eat. Well, I was about to do that. Um, what uh, culinary delight would you pick Brad, for this film? Brett, ask me what I would eat. What would you eat? Oh, you're, you're putting me on the spot. Hold on one second. Let me think about it. <sighs> you know, when I was watching Blood Cult for like the, the third or fourth time, I don't know. But I, I started to think about Brad, Brad, Brad. I started to think about how it kind of reminded me of like if if a bunch of Midwesterners were given a budget to go do a shot on video uh, film for like BBC in the 80s. So I started to crave a full English. I think I think a full English breakfast, but I wouldn't wash it down with like a cup of coffee or tomato juice. I'm thinking like a Coors Light, like a CL Smooth, Ooh. you know, Ooh. like a road soda. Ooh, road sodas is definitely, um, you know, you know, uh, on our in- introductory episode, you mentioned about road sodas, and um, I actually got to feel that and see that and do that on the trip here, um, driving around. Mike is the road soda king. It's true. I, I drink and drive. You are our resident movie expert. Now, I, I, look, I know what you want to say. You want to say, no, Mike Delaney, you are the expert, man. You're, you're an actor. You're a filmmaker. You have the Splat House podcast. You talk, you talk to filmmakers from all around, man. You, you write scripts. You know all these things. You have IMDb memorized. And yeah, Brad, no, it's true. But you, my friend, you are the expert and on this show t-h-e-s-o-v-p-o-d the t-h-e stands for the we are the s-o-v podcast you my friend are the expert tell us about this first movie that we are going to be looking at my friend um i I bet if i get a little bit of history of when i first saw this movie oh i would love that can i touch myself um maybe just during the first few minutes because i think you need to probably pause because i'm gonna finish finish you off later um so my first experience with blood cult was um renting it from a video store and watching it with my mother and she was when she when we turned it on she knew uh because she didn't she really doesn't know what shot on video was it's just the look of the movie and um, I noticed it right away. I was like, oh, man, that's one of these movies. And she's like, oh, my God, one of these again. And she slept through the entire movie pretty much. Um, and, and I just kept on, like, trying to wake her up, like, making noises, like putting my plate or my glass down uh, loud so she I could scare her to jump. Um, but I was, I was kind of into it, um, especially for the first – a uh, few 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 minutes it, it picks up it kind of dies down a little bit but i just had i remember watching it vividly with my mother cuz i was trying to not agitate her but um <laughs> keep her awake through through blood cult so that was my first experience <laughs> with, with with the film how about you uh Beautiful. mike d 
What would oh, you say about Blood Cult? My first experience, actually, well, my first experience was just uh, was just a few years ago. Um, you know, I I had heard about Blood Cult. I'd read certain things about it where, um, you know, in, in the history of Blood Cult, they claimed when it came out on VHS that it was like the first shot on video uh, film. That's not true. We know that because that's 1982's Boarding House. But uh, but it was indeed the first uh, direct-to-video film, which I think is uh, historic and beautiful and and uh, should be celebrated. But yeah, I didn't see it until uh, until I got the VCI uh, DVD about uh, what three or four years ago. So I don't I don't have a great story. I probably uh, just bought it and I probably just drank uh, some beers and enjoyed it. I remember thinking, and we'll get to this, but I remember thinking that uh, I wanted to remake it like right then and have uh, Mark Boardshart from uh, Coven Coven uh, Coven Coven sounds like oven Coven <laughs> Coven Coven. <laughs> I wanted I wanted Mark Borchardt to play uh, Joel in in a remake of it. I kept I kept seeing the dude who played Joel, and I kept thinking, oh, I, I want Mark here right fucking now. But no, I don't I don't have a great uh, beautiful story about trying to wake my mother up from her, um, you know, drunk coma. <laughs> yeah, I, I, she was drunk, and then she, <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, yeah, I think I think Mark would be a, a great choice, and probably get Mike Shank as the uh, voiceover for the detective that constantly talks through the entire film. I think that might be a good addition too. <laughs> Mike so. Shank, I love. <laughs> I fucking love Mike Shank. Uh, well, hey, we'll we'll get to it later. But if Mike Shank played anybody, it would be the surgeon uh, dad in the Last Slumber Party. If we're, if we're, <laughs> Casting Mike Shank in one of these two, like that that dad who's like, "Hey, honey, I love you. Don't you think your mom might want to go to bed soon?" That's Mike Shank. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't think he's in Blood Cult. That, that. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> hey, man, when I'm right, I'm right. And here's what we're doing right now: we are jumping into 1985's Blood Cult. Brad, tell us about this movie. Um, for people that have not seen Blood Cult, uh, you're in for a treat. Um, I would not watch this movie super late at night. Um, it would be probably better with friends. Like I said earlier, um, the film starts off with a pretty big bang. It's got a, you know, a pretty good home invasion sequence, um, you know, plenty of blood. It's got. It's very homagey to uh, The Shining and Psycho. Psycho in particular. Um, but there was uh, once <laughs> the detective is introduced. There's this. It, it actually starts. Uh, it takes a small little nosedive. That's not. That's. I'm not being negative about about the film. It works because we're introduced to a character. When you first watch him, it's like, okay, this is the detective. But then you slowly realize that the entire film is kind of based around this detective. And our detective is probably 60-plus. You know, they didn't pick a young, suave, like, you know, uh, new-on-the-job rookie. They picked basically almost be equivalent to probably the director's grandfather, um, being the lead in this movie and <laughs> explaining and doing voiceovers with the longest, most drawn out exposition possible 
Um, but then after that, it picks up again, and it becomes this really um, weird uh, slasher cult movie. Um, hence the name Blood Cult, and uh, you know the the cleaver that's on uh, on the cover. But um, the film really does have a lot of great moments. It's uh, it's really well shot for being a shot on video film. So being that this was kind of the first shot on video uh, for the market, I guess you could say, like you know direct uh, direct video films, um, they didn't kind of fool around with that. They really t- I feel that they took themselves seriously on set. There's not a whole lot of laughs, I guess you could say. I mean, we laugh now. But uh, the directors were very, or the director was very competent in making the film. Um, you know, it's they use tripods. Uh, it's you know pretty much in focus. The lighting, of course, is on and off uh, at times. Mainly, but that's just due to you know shooting on VHS. But um, the film has a lot of go- going for it, and when it gets, there's a lot of cool moments. Especially my favorite part of the the film is. Uh, you know, we have the opening, and then immediately it goes to um, another murder in a in a uh, like dormitory. Uh, the killer has already severed the head of the roommate, and is slowly waking up the other girl. And instead of killing her with the cleaver, like he's already killed two victims, he proceeds to beat her to death with the severed head of her roommate, which is one of the greatest kills I've ever seen in a movie. And not he just doesn't hit her once. He hits her a few times. And and it's and it's really really well done and it's it's actually kind of horrifying because you know you think about it, man, I would just rather get hit with the cleaver rather than being being beat to death with a severed head of my friend. So it it does get a really brutal at times. Um, but yeah, it's, I think it's all around a good time. It's very, like I said, it is very police procedural. There's a lot of just the detective sitting around and talking and trying to figure things out. Uh, but this is his shining, it's a shining moment for him. Yeah, no, I, I love that shit. Look, I'm going to go back to a couple things, uh, Brad said, and I'll, I'll elaborate on it. Yeah. The opening scene is uh is a complete classic homage to both like Brad said the shining and psycho with very direct references um to both of them um the the way this uh first co-ed murder is shot is uh, fantastic multiple uh angles of of the murder we get because of SOV we're we're able to to get much more um intimate uh placement of the camera like within the bathroom uh well spoiler alert she gets murdered in a bathroom because look motherfucker i said it's a it's a psycho reference so yeah uh so uh so yeah while this co-ed's getting murdered um it's it's very much psycho it's very much uh the shining but it goes directly from that to what what i think is one of the great references in the film when the title pops on the screen and it says blood cult Brad, am I wrong, or are they uh, cribbing blood feast a little bit with the way that the blood drips in, in the mm. title? The way it like. Yeah, right? I didn't. I didn't think about I that. Love, love that, 
And then <laughs> Brad's mentioned a couple times about the uh, the lead detective in the movie. Brad, that's my favorite fucking thing about this movie is is uh, is that character, his voiceover, and the fact that oh it's no, procedural. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. It, it it's it's a separate movie in a way. Yeah, you know, and it's it, it really is odd casting. It's it well it's fantastic. Well the dude, yeah, he he's like a grandfatherly looking dude, but he also looks like that old uh librarian monster from Monsters Incorporated. <laughs> like, I kept trying to put my finger on like who this dude reminded me of, and I think it's either a, a cross between the Monsters Incorporated like librarian looking secretary lady or Roger Ebert. Are you talking about the one that's like Mike Wazowski? That yeah, th- that I, one? <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. I, I I could totally see that, yeah. And Roger Ebert is 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 this dude, but I fucking love this guy because what he does, Brad, is he's like he reminds me of uh, uh, Vincent Bugliosi in uh, the original Helter Skelter. You know, remember how like Bugliosi would come out in the middle of like the TV movie and just start uh, narrating like what was happening? Oh in yeah, his Manson case. Yeah, and it also reminds me of the journalist narrator that we get in. Uh, uh, Demented, the 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 film based on the Ed Gein murders that came out, you know, before Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and I I can't put my name on that. Uh, that starred the guy who was in Home Alone. What was his name? Ezra. I fucking forget. Look, it's not worth it. But I love, I love, love, love the police procedural uh, parts of uh, Blood Cult, which, to Brad's point, is most of of Blood Cult. But Brad, here's what I really love about Blood Cult. And uh, and tell me if I'm wrong. Blood Cult makes a strong case to visit your local library. <laughs> it does because all the answers lie there. It doesn't lie in the in, in in the police station with the other detectives and people on the case. No, you go to the, your local library and uh, talk to your daughter who is working with you on the case, and she will find the clues leading up to what we discover is a blood cult. That has dog coins. Yes, dog coins. But I, I love, I love Blood Cult. Uh, here's some other things that I love about Blood Cult that I don't think enough shot on video movies uh, take advantage of. And of course, we on the SOV podcast, we will cover every shot on video uh, film ever. But look. One thing that I don't think enough of the shot on video films do is actually use. Uh, Use like the inner titles, you know, okay. on on the video on the film itself. Yeah, and I love how fucking Blood Cult. Whenever they can, they're like, "It's Wednesday. <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're in the the middle of town. Now it's Thursday. Now it's twelve o two p.m." Like they're they're using like on screen title cards like as much as they can, but it's the uh, the in camera like VHS shit that you get. I love it. And um, it's just it's little parts of the film that I, I really enjoy. And like I said, the beating of with the severed head. But one of my favorite moments is uh, when they're investigating the murder of the woman uh, that was decapitated and her friend was beat by the head. Um, there's a character, uh, Dr. White, who who immediately are detectives like this guy's basically a piece of shit, always fumbling around in the, you know, with the evidence um, something's not right with him immediately says that. And, and I'm like, wait a second. Oh my God. Spoiler, mister. Um, 
But fast forward to that, he talks about him handling evidence. But then when he goes to the library, he's like, we found this coin on the body. And reaches his hand in the evidence bag and pulls out the coin and then hands it to his daughter. And it's like, what? What are you doing? Like, you're just bitching about that in your voiceover and out loud. And you fucking contradict yourself. But that's the beauty of the film. Look. Yeah, and it's the beauty of father-daughter relationships. Like, he trusts her completely. She's a fucking librarian, Brad. She has the fucking answers. Why shouldn't he give her this valuable evidence to, 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 to help him solve this case? I mean, look, if you've seen Blood Cult, there's a good reason why he shouldn't give her this evidence <laughs> to help solve the case. But look, she, Brad, Brad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you there? Yeah, I, Brad, I am Brad. always here. I'm right across from her you. boyfriend... Brad, her boyfriend is the cutest guy on planet Earth. Am I right? He is an odd motherfucker. But isn't there a line where, like, the sunlight's coming in and they just got done fucking or making out, like, on the bed? Oh, it's, it's like yeah. Beautiful, soft, soft glow. Like, the, the lighting in this particular scene is gorgeous. Like, it, it reminds me of, like, very early Spielberg, like, Sugarland Express or something. <laughs> like, really warm yeah. sunlight coming through the window. It's that 80s, 90s haze that I always talk about. Yeah, yeah, the, the 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 fucking yellow haze, and he he looks at her and he goes like, "Do you have time to make out with the cutest guy in the room?" <laughs> like that. Fucking cute AF. Like, he's so fucking full of himself. I fucking love him. And that's Mark Boardshart. So Mark, if you're listening, uh, at the more the scarier, Mark, we love you. Please play Joel. We'll remake Blood Cult. We'll do it one weekend. We'll fly out. But um. Please do it. I love you. Hmm. And uh, another thing that um, I enjoy is the long, uh, the long takes in the film of of certain certain things. Uh, for example, like I said, when when the detective gives the voiceover, uh, we have at least fifteen minutes of the detective just sitting in the car eating Arby's. By the way, which made me very very hungry. Um, just kind of like looking around with music playing in the background and him staring off into space. And then the one scene that really gets me rolling is um, when they discover the fingers in the salad. But leading up to that. There's a girl like that. She walks through the doors. She gets her tray. She gets a plate. She goes up to the counter. She looks at all the food. She points to what she wants. She's given the food. Then she walks to the salad bar, starts to pick up the jello, puts the jello back down, picks up the salad, keeps putting salad on her plate, and then goes to sit down. And then the fingers are exposed. And I'm like, oh my God. Talk about filler. But it works. And that's the beauty about some of these movies is that we can sit back and we can laugh at things like that. And it gives us a little bit of breathing room for all the voiceovers that we have to hear as well. But um, <laughs> well, I, I, I love I love the fucking cafeteria scenes because there's there's a couple of them. But uh, but there's yeah, the, the, the first one where the girl gets the blue plate special <laughs> the Diet Coke. Yeah, Diet Coke. And then you <laughs> oh, then she also we also have to watch her pay for it. Yeah, 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 that's what I was going to say is you have to watch or pay for it. And it's just like so many fucking questions are answered because I'm watching movies all the time, Brad. Like I'm watching Transformers The Last Night and I just see someone drinking a Sprite. And I'm like, <laughs> how the fuck do they get that Sprite? What the fuck did they get? How much did it fucking cost? 
you know? Hey, we find out like, blood cult. But two thirty seven for the blue plate special and a diet coke, that's a that's a fucking deal. And that shit looked healthy. Like it was nice nice square meal. It was, it was. That they serve at the university. And then and then right right during that scene, we have this very large man, uh, Asian man, run up to the dainty girl who's running the cash register to pull her because he's scared to death of the body that he has found in the dumpster. And it's like, bro, why are you taking her to go show the body? Handle that shit yourself. Call the cops. But no, no. No, we, we don't do that blood cult. You know, we, we have to we have to have that you know, dramatic effect of watching an old man. And when she looks over the dumpster and the close-up of her face and that scream that she does is so good. It's so good. Oh, man. So good. So good. So good. It's so good, Brad. It's so fucking good. She's such a fucking scream queen. She's like Emma Roberts. Mm. Fucking Jamie Lee Curtis meets like your fucking mom Whoa. when she's not passed out from peppermint schnapps watching fucking blood cult. Yeah, that is true. She did pass what? out from peppermint sm- schnapps. Um, another uh, one question I had for you, and this might just be ignorance on my part, but um, mm-hmm. during one of the ceremonial scenes with uh, with the cult, they're all like you know giving the demonic you know uh, scripture or whatever they're reading. But at the end, they all say amen, and they grumble it. Like, do demonic cults say amen? Is that a thing? Yeah, well, I know why you're asking me this, because um, I'm in a demonic cult. Yeah. The cult of Demon Wind. I'm in Demon Wind, and uh, we don't we don't say amen, but we say, like, a variation of amen, which is almond. Oh, Okay. Like the nut. Because like we like, cause what we do is we say almond, but we say it kind of like amen, and then we do a circle jerk, like all onto a cracker in the middle of our, our pentagram. So I, I, look, I get why you're asking, but no, we don't say amen. We say almond, and that means nut, and then we all nut onto the cracker in the pentagram. I can't help you beyond that, though. Oh, okay. That doesn't answer my question at all, but at least it gives me some insight about, you know, you keep wanting me to join your uh, cult. So the answer is going to be no now, So because that's a little weird. Wait, Brad, you don't want to join the cult? No, no. I mean, we don't have to do this on air, and, you know, we're kind of right in front of one another, and we're already kind of doing a circle jerk as it is. But I think we need to calm Brad, down. and cool shit, though, bro. But we need to jump back to the Dude, actual, you know, maybe the cool film. Shit. Last week, hey. Last week, last week, Maurice and I, we went and watched uh, Mercury Rising at his mom's house. It was heck of fun, dude. It was the TNT cut. It had all the swears taken out. And, like, it was it was pretty it was pretty chill, man. And, like, we had, uh, what do you call those things? Nut thins? You know? They're, it's, like, gluten-free, and it tastes kind of like ranch. They're good, man. Me and Maurice, like, hang out with us, man. All you so, have to do is once a week, you jerk off onto a cracker, and you say almond. Demon wind, bro. We're cool. I think this is. I, I think I made a mistake about bringing about the amen thing in blood call, but it's fine. You know, we can jump back into the film and then we can have this conversation a little bit later, right? I take back what I said. I, I'm not completely out of the call. We'll 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 work on that. Okay. 
Brad, how can you take back what you said? You already said it. I can't, like, unknow what you said to me. Hey, can we talk about how the detective, like, fucking face fucks Arby's in his car for a second? Oh, my God, yes, because I fucking love Arby's. <laughs> hey, Brad, you know who else loves Arby's? Who? Melissa Kay, the lady who designed our SOV POD oh, design shit. for our fucking logo, Melissa Kay at Mecca Melissa. She fucking loves Arby's. She's like queen of Arby's. Man. What's your favorite thing to get at Arby's? My favorite thing to get is uh, the beef and cheddar. And um, mm. and I put... Uh, no, on the, on the fucking onion bun. Onion bun. On the onion bun. Yeah, yeah. Oh. And then I put one full packet of, of, horsey. of horsey sauce and one full packet oh. of Arby's sauce. And my favorite oh. thing to do is to eat alone because I'm going to eat this sh- shit like a fucking rat is that right. I just I I just I face fuck it very much like the detective does yeah. and then when I bite into yeah. it the cheese the horsey sauce and the arby sauce is all mixed and it does a little bit of drip drip right out of the back oh man and then I got the sauces on the side of my side of my face and then I pop in that curl and then I take the curly fry and then I dip it in that dip dip that just fell off my fucking sandwich. Oh. You know, the cheese, the horsey sauce, yeah. and Arby sauce. And I just smear it around, and I pop that curly fry in my mouth. And then I take a sip of my Coke, and I'm golden. I really want Arby's now. I'm kind of salivating. You know, we're here in New, yeah. New Orleans where they have, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, a lot of great food. And I, I don't like I, I I could go for some shrimp jambalaya right here. Uh, we're looking at that uh, one building that I've heard they uh, serve great shrimp uh, shrimp jambalaya. But I could go to Oyster Bar down here as well. But I just want fucking Arby's now. I just want Arby's. Can you promise me after the after we record this, we'll drive down the street to the Arby's that we saw coming here? We fucking have to, mm. Brad. You see my you see my beard lately, man. I got this like little Lebray like flavor saver. I want to get fucking Arby sauce. Oh, that shit. your Arby yeah. sauce would be so good afterwards. That would be like second meal. Oh my god. Mm. So, anyways, this episode is not <clears throat> brought to you by Taco Bell. It's brought to you by Arby's. Mm. Yeah, you suck the suck the Arby sauce off my Lebray, my little flavor saver. Mm. Like Guy Ferrari, take you to Flavor Town, right? Right there, you see it. You see, it? You see what I'm doing? <laughs> did we mention? Uh, did we mention that there is a story about? Uh, I know I don't want to go dark here for a second, but I think we need to jump ship on this and uh, change topics before we get a little too hot about the Arby's. Is that this director also directed uh, the Ripper uh, with Tom Savini? And then he also went on to do a sequel to Blood Cult called Revenge. Sadly enough, we won't be covering Revenge on the show because he actually filmed Revenge on 16mm. Um, but, uh, and if you enjoy Blood Cult then you and the police procedural and the voiceovers, you'll enjoy Revenge because that detective is back uh, in the sequel. And he does the exact same thing again, and it is great. Um, so... Uh, yeah, he also did that, but there is – I was reading a little bit about this before uh, before the recording, before we doing this, and apparently there's this allegation against him of uh, being a child molester or he took photos of uh, young men. Did you read that? 
No. Is like because Christopher Lewis is the director. Yeah, really weird. Um, yeah, I, I've done a little bit more digging on that, and it looks like uh, you know, of course, this happened in the '70s, so it really wasn't publicized and documented too well. But uh, there were a couple uh, things where it was saying about him, uh, you know, getting involved in some skeezy shit, and uh, I was kind of wondering if you ever heard that or knew anything else. I I do not. You said Christopher Lewis, the director. Yeah, Christopher Lewis, the director. What a piece of shit! Fuck that guy. Well, I Why don't. I feature him first. Don't Brad? know. What don't are you doing. Why don't you do your fucking research? <laughs> Why don't you go to the local library and talk to your daughter about the fucking show we're doing, so we don't fucking lead with child molestation? We Brad? could have easily avoided this if uh, I went to my if I paid attention to the film and took took the history lessons of the film and actually went to the library before. We could have solved this, and we just could have been talking about the you know last slumber party. You know what? <laughs> Saying that, let's. Should we get into the last? I, I think I think we should leave Blood Cult on that bad bad note, and we can talk about uh, the beauty and the the amazingness of the last slumber party. That is not. I repeat, that is not associated with the slumber party massacre films or sorority house massacre, even though. It's weird that they didn't try to play off of that. That's true. What about Microwave Massacre? Um, microwave Massacre, I don't think, tries to do anything. <laughs> 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 I mean, that, that movie's right, all over will, the place. <clears throat> we will be right back with The Last Slumber Party. Here is a quick word from our sponsor of this week's episode of T-H-E-S-O-V-P-O-D, Arby's. Thank you, Arby's. DJs love Arby's, LPGs love Arby's, you and I love Arby's, you and I love America's roast beef, yes sir, VIPs love Arby's, DDS's love Arby's, you and I love roast beef at Arby's, you and I love roast beef at Arby's, tender and juicy, America's roast beef, yes sir, dude! Looks like a ladies' slumber party. Next up on THESOVPOD, we are talking about the last slumber party directed by Stephen with a PH, Tyler. But before we get into it, Brad, I'm hungry. We we satiated ourselves well during the break with some fucking delicious Arby's. Mm. It went straight to my belly. Well, Mike, 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 you got a little bit of cheese left on that beard. I can see it. No, it's it's like that's dangling. It's gonna bother me for the rest of this uh, rest of this show if you don't clean that up right now. You know what? You know, li- li- no, 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 no. That li- is not cheese. That is Brad sauce. No, no. That is Brad you, sauce. Lean, lean over here. Lean over sauce. here. Lean over here. Let me get it. Let me get okay. it. All right. Mm-hmm. Ah, there we go. You're good. Woo, baby, I like it. Brad, before we jump into the last Slumber Party Massacre, not to be confused with the penultimate Slumber Party Massacre. Wait, it's not even a fucking massacre. It's just... It's the last Slumber Party. Right? Yeah, it's just the last Slumber yeah, Party. You, fucking, you, you, you already teased that. What, what the... F- okay. So, before we jump into it, what are we eating tonight, baby? You know, I've had some Slumber fucking parties in my day. 
and a few maskers, but um, I would say, since this is a slumber party, I would get the traditional, no shame, bagel bites with pepperoni, because the cheese ones taste a little weird, just the just cheese tastes a little weird. You gotta get the ones with pepperoni. I would probably get, because um, somebody's always going to steal some. So, uh, you know, you can never just fix the 9-pack, because that never works. You could fix the 18, but people are going to take a few, and then you're still going to be hungry. So I suggest buy that fucking box of 24, or if you want to jump in there, if you could find the ones of 36 that do exist, buy the ones of 36, and then you can have some with your friends. And honestly, I would grab some Coca-Colas. And not not the not 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 the two liter, not the liter, not the two liter, not the little bottles, but there's something about a cold can of Coke, like okay. ice cold. And if and if you really want to make that Coke especially delicious, put it in that cooler with ice and pull that Joker out after a couple of hours, crack it, hear that crack and that fizz. And you put those, then you take those little bagel bites off that little, you know, that silver microwavable dish that they give you. Um, if you put them in the microwave, I suggest honestly, uh, you know, putting those bagel bites in the oven before your friends come over and have them ready when they come out. Because you you do the microwave, they're going to get a little soggy. But if you do, if you do, if you do the oven, they get a little bit more crispy, and you get that bite. You, and and then you can put the whole bagel bite. That's the best part. You put the whole bagel bite in your mouth, and it's cool enough. And you bite down, and then the cheese and, uh, and sauce ooze out of the sides and in the center, and you just and you just chew it, and it's quiet. Don't worry about a lot of noise. Don't overcook them, or they will be loud. But uh, yeah, traditional pepperoni bagel bites with a can of Coke. Ice cold Coke. I just like saying Coke. Coke's my favorite drink. Other than this coffee I'm drinking this fine early morning on Friday. But, um, yeah, I think... It's Friday, Friday, gotta get Friday. But I think, I think something basic like that, something basic like that would, uh, would kind of appease and please everybody. I, I think, I think it's a good choice. What about you, Mike? Oh, look, hey, I'm not going to – look, I can't fuck with perfection. And, Brad, what you did is just – it's perfection. The, the, the fucking – the pepperoni on those little bagel bites, the way it's, like, cubed, like it's mm. fucking cubed spam. Oh. oh, it's so beautiful how it's, like, drizzled across. Oh, it's so good. But here's what I would do, Brad. Yeah? Uh, I, I might throw in a Diet Coke option. Just because uh, sometimes I'm watching movies with like former heroin addicts and they're into aspartame and like they they need their Diet Coke. So I might do the ice cold Diet Coke. I, I also prefer the flavor of Diet Coke. I'm not uh, I'm not like full Sean DeRegger with my Coke Zero bullshit. So I won't do like a half hour diatribe on that. But I need some Diet Coke. Uh, the other thing I would do is I would mix a little ranch and sriracha to make what I call sriracha, and I would dip my, my, my pepperoni bagel bites into my sriracha, if you will. You know, so I'm not, I'm not going to fuck with perfection. You already, you already, you, you said not to fuck with perfection, but I mean, there's something about, you know, uh, you can always, 
you know, could could we make uh, could Tarantino take the script and make it a little bit better? Well, probably not. But there is that chance of it happening, and that's what you just did. You just made a Tarantino really? script better by adding Sarancha. I I can't get on board with the Diet Coke thing because that's I that's kind of I think you're a freak, but you know I I can I can let it slide because you made up for it with a Sarancha. I, I think you're going to make this ne- – this is some next-level shit. So tonight, uh, for everybody that's listening, obviously, I, I really hope – I really hope you guys had a – you know, you have a good morning on your drive drive to work. Or if you're leaving work, I hope you had a really good day because this weekend's going to be fucking fantastic for you. And if you want to make it a little bit better, you know, if you already have the Slumber Party Massacre – or the last Slumber Party prepped – you know, drive to your local grocery store, get some bagel bites, get some Coke or Diet Coke, get the, you know, some ranchins, you know, uh, sriracha, get home, call your friends over. If you need, if you need a little more prep, shit. do it on Saturday. Get, look, you got to get the original Hui Fong shit from, uh, from Southern California. That's the good shit. The, the hot cock sauce. Yeah. Yeah. We have that here. We have real that Real fucking sriracha. So like real sriracha. I think uh, absolutely positively have to give every motherfucker in the room a boner from your sriracha, except no substitutes, right, Brad? I I I can't agree with you more. I can't. I can't. And especially since I can't, cannot. It's it, being that I can't. I'm going to jump into the movie. Yeah. So what what movie are we talking about, baby? We are talking about the Last Slumber Party, which um, I saw years ago. Um, because I was tricked into the title thinking it was part of the Slumber Party Massacre franchise. Um, and this would be the fourth one, which technically Sorority House Massacre is the fourth one. Um, and then, you know, you think it might be Sorority House Massacre 3, but no, because that's hard to die, um, which is not titled Sorority. And I'm going to go down a wormhole here. I'll just stop talking. But, uh, yeah, I got caught up in that web of deception with uh, The Last Slumber Party. But I was not uh, unhappy when I watched this film. Um, I was uh, ecstatic. I love the Slumber Party Massacre films. I love um, the Sorority House Massacre. But that's being said, it has nothing to do with those whatsoever. Um, the, ma- the, the only movies that I see this pull inspiration from... Is I mean I do think the killer is pulled a little bit like the Russ Thorne character from Slumber Party Massacre, the killer, Driller Killer. But this is Halloween through and fucking through. Now I well I can't say that because there is a huge pull from the original Slumber Party Massacre in this film when the girls are in the kitchen getting the drinks and the guys come up to the window. That's totally the scene. (laughs) Totally the scene. I'm PJ quoting PJ Souls here. Uh, that is the scene from Slumber Party Massacre. But from other than that, maybe a couple things. I mean, so many things can happen at Slumber Party. It's not like you know they they're pulling everything. It's it's the same same fucking thing happens every time. If you would write a script of a killer coming to a Slumber Party, it's probably going to end up. All the scripts are going to end up the same. Uh, you know, boobs, mm-hmm. killer, Bradley, Bradley, someone's ordering like, pizza, what do you drinking like beers. At your slumber party, Bradley. What is that? Bradley, what is that? Bradley. What? What do you like pulled at a slumber party? Mm. What do you like pulled? I uh, I've had some slumber parties back in my day, uh, and, mm-hmm. and you might not sleepovers. I'm talking slumber. Oh no slumber no no no! Party. I've I've had some slumber parties. Okay. I've uh, crashed okay. a couple slumber parties in my day. Um, Oh, we're talking <clears throat> fucking Holly Hunter and James Spader. 
No, 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 no. Uh, uh, you know, like a Paul Haggis crash. We might. <laughs> what, what <part laughs> we we might need to actually uh, cut this short because I I don't know if I can talk about it legally. <laughs> I don't I don't know if I can talk about it legally, Mike. I'm serious. <laughs> so we'll we'll cut it short. Talk to me offline about it. Yeah, I'm I'm just gonna jump right back into uh, um, kind of the homage that you know they do with Halloween. There is the the direct uh, three girls walking down from school. Uh, you know, having the center. Uh, you know, uh, uh, character is, is Laurie Strode. Uh, PJ Souls is off to the you know her left. And then you know, um, totally. Yeah, it's it's just the, the dialogue, the way they present themselves is it. You know, even laying down to have that nap like Lori does right before you know she she meets everybody. It's, it's just all of it just leads up to kind of uh, you know the last slumber party. But the whole intro to that those characters is Halloween a hundred percent. And then when they're sitting on the couch. Um, all watching television, having the conversations with each other. It's very much like the conversations in Halloween when they're having over the phones uh, with one another. Um, so it's just it, – it's hilarious, but you could see the inspiration pulled from that. And um, it, it just – it works though. It, it really does. It's harmless. You could really tell that there's a lot of heart behind this film, and I think that's what really drives it. Um, and just being really fucking goofy. And I think we should have had a disclaimer in the front of the, of this uh, before we got into this because you and I had this conversation about whether this is a shot on video movie or not. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So so so. Go Brad, ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. You actually did. You did some legwork. Yeah. You and I were talking, and I said, Brad. Now look at the beginning of the last slumber party. I'm 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 detecting like a lot of dust and and hair and scratches and shit on like what would appear to be like 16 millimeter footage, you know, with this, uh, with this, uh, surgeon that's, uh, picking up his scalpels and shit. And, and you're like, yeah, the, the, it does like seem cause this is before like computer effects and where you could go in there and add like retro grade shit to your, to your video or film. And you're like, yeah, it does kind of seem 16 millimeter. So you went and you, you did some legwork and you found the answer to this. and uh, And tell us tell us a bit about what you found out, buddy. I did. I I, I um I actually uh, was able to contact um, Jan Jensen, who plays Chris in the film. She plays the lead. She's the beautiful, beautiful redhead. Um, yeah, and I, I actually had the opportunity to discuss a few things with her because I really wanted to know, um, especially doing this show since our first episode, <laughs> are we going to cover? Uh, um, you know, accidentally cover something that's not shot on video. Uh, pause for a second. Go back a little bit. That being said, there are a lot of films that are shot on 16 millimeter that have been transferred to tape that look like they're shot on video because they share that shot on video aesthetic that really aren't shot on video films. And I got tricked by science crazed. Um, even though a lot oh, of people say, say science well, I did a lot. That's I did. I did. Sexuality. That's my sexuality. A lot of people talk about science, science craze being shot on video. And yes, while it shares a lot of the shot on video aesthetics and it's weird and it looks like it, it's actually technically shot on 16 millimeter, um, which it kind of jump back, circle back. That goes in the last slumber party. 
So uh, while watching the film again, even before we were doing the show, I was like, man, I, I, I know that this film is shot on video, but rewatching it again, um, you know, on this uh, beautiful uh, transfer that VCI did for the DVD of this <laughs> VHS tape, um, you could really tell that certain portions of the film were definitely shot on film. But then flip right into the next scene, it's 100% shot on video just because you can you you could tell um you know especially with the comparison back and forth so i was like man so i did i did a little research um you know read a little bit about it people were kind of still up in the air they were like i don't know was this shot on like eight millimeter 16 obviously it looks like parts were shot on uh you know video so in my conversation with Jan Jensen, I had a few questions. I wanted to get her for for this show, but uh, she just couldn't make that happen. But uh, she was very kind and told me a couple things. Um, and yes, it is true. There were portions of the film that were shot on video, and there were portions of the film that were shot on 16mm. And the re- reason being um, is the film, uh, I believe, was originally shot in 1984. And um, they had... Wait a second. It was shot in '84. Was it? What year was the last uh, Slumber Party Massacre? '88. Oh, really? No, 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 no. Slumber Party Massacre is '82. So I was just about to say, wait, did fucking Slumber Party Massacre rip off this one, or or vice versa? Okay, so the film was shot in nineteen, uh, you know, for the course of a. a period of time uh but originally started yeah, filming in 19 uh, i think october they said 1984 um so uh, being that it was a very low budget production they kept running out of money um and he was uh you know had a tight schedule to shoot so he shot on whatever he could get his hands on if he had some money for some uh, rolls of film on 16 he would do that uh if he didn't have the money he would shoot it uh shot on video so that's the reason why there's that uh, jumping back and forth, which was, I think, fairly interesting. I think this is one of the only films to do that. Uh, I have never heard of a shot on video film sharing 16 millimeter as well. Um, now, I think the majority of the film is shot on 16 from what it looks like. But uh, there's a lot of scenes and a lot of longer shots that you could tell were definitely shot on video. So, but Jan Jensen, she uh, she's a very sweet lady. She's uh, she's very happy that she did this movie. She's sad that she doesn't really know anybody else um, that was part of it. No one really went on to do anything else. Uh, the director kind of disappeared. Um, but really interesting that the, this gem of a movie came out. Um, you know and. It, it's sad because it, it really isn't celebrated more. Um, I understand why, of course, but uh, I, I think there is, could be a big audience for this one. I think this one does have something for everybody. Well, no, Brad, it, it's not the, I don't think it's the first time they've used shot on video, or it's certainly not the last time they've used shot on video and 16 millimeter. I mean, fucking Oliver Stone, right? Throughout the early 90s, all he was doing was fucking 16 millimeter, 35 millimeter, 70 millimeter video, like high, you know, high definition video. Like he was, he was mixing everything, but yeah, the last slumber party was the first. We'll say that. Not the last. Even though they say they're the last, they are not the last. But, Brad, here's something I fucking love about The Last Slumber Party, and uh, it's this. What is that, Mike? When the title drops. Ooh. 
when the title drops. It doesn't drop it at the beginning. You know, sometimes you're watching a movie and it's it's like Warner Brothers presents a Christopher Nolan film and then it just says like uh, Interstellar or whatever the name of his movie is. I I don't like that, and I I kind of like it when it comes at the at the end, not at the end of. Uh, the movie, I hate that shit. That's pretentious as fuck when it comes like all the way at the end of the movie and it's like, Harry Potter 7. Like, who gives a shit? <laughs> but I like when it comes at the end of the the credit sequence, like after the, the producer, written by, directed by, and then the title fucking comes up. Like, I think that's a great thanks to, to all the people who, who worked on it. But The Last Slumber Party does a thing that's so fucking cool that I haven't seen much ever ever really and that's they drop the title in the middle of the credit sequence what do you think about that buddy i i know i i noticed that too it, it really uh kind of um takes you off guard for a second it reminded me a little bit um in friday the 13th remake because that title card pops up like 20 minutes into the movie after jason like slaughters everybody at the camp um and that always stood out for me i don't know there's something i, I agree with you there's something about perfect perfect placement title cards that can really kind of get the ball rolling on movies. I love that shit. James, James Bond is always great. I think with, uh, not just the title card, but like when they decide to, to begin the theme song or, uh, you, you know, like I think of, um, the world is not enough. Like how that fucking shit started like 30 minutes into the movie. I was like, Oh, that's right. They haven't played the fucking garbage, garbage song yet. But, uh, the other one is uh, that comes to mind is Eli Roth's uh, Cabin Fever. I love that Angelo Badalamente score and how they go through the entire entire uh, credit sequence and then have the the Cabin Fever kind of like come through the the blood and the skin and the epidermis or whatever. Yeah. But um, no, uh, The Departed Man. I think that that might be the best like late late in the, the, the credit sequence, like, title drop that, that I've seen in, in the last 10, 15 years. I love that shit. Like, how you're already really into this case with Leonardo DiCaprio <laughs> and the bullshit he gets mixed up in. And then they're like, oh, yeah, here's the name of the movie. Also, Kevin Corrigan, who's awesome. So, I love, I love that shit. And uh, one thing that uh, I, I love about the film, and I, well, another thing, there's many things I love about this movie is the the dialogue that consists in this movie it's just like i want to i want to say that a lot of that shit's just improv but at the same time like i was reading um you know interviews about how that was actually written in the script and there was one uh one with the talk about men men folk let's rustle up some men men folk how do you say how do you men folk folk men folk, men folk. like men folk? how do you say that men folk. men folk Men folk. Let's ru- right. It's like the second L in llama. Like you don't say the second L in llama. You just la say llama. llama. The first L. La llama. So in folk, you just say. Folk. No, I say la llama. Is that wrong? You say la llama. That's la llama. La llama. All right. So so men folk. And also there's huh. there's that one folk. there's that one sequence folk. with the with the men folk uh, when. The 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 one the blonde haired girl and the guy are upstairs and they're they're about to get some hanky panky going on, and she turns to him and she says, um, uh, "If you want me, just whistle. You know how to whistle, don't you? Just part your lips and blow." And I tell you what, man, I can't wait to get in bed 
with my with my lady and just kind of look over and do kind of that Tom Selleck pose, you know, with the with the one arm with your head resting on your on your hand and your elbow laying on the bed and you're a little bit a <laughs> little bit of you know uh you tight a uh, little bit of tight underwear the tightest underwear you have because they're just a little bit older. I call that the Burt Reynolds on the bear skin, bro. I call it the Burt Reynolds. Burt Reynolds, there you go. Burt Reynolds and Tom Selleck, if they would have got together at some point, whoa. That'd be hot like an Alabama takedown. So what I want to (laughs) see is, or what I want to do is I want to do that because I'm I'm pretty sure that could get anybody laid. Right? Am I right? I got to be right. I'm right. I mean, you're not you're you're not. I'm wrong. not wrong. Okay, that's 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 good enough for me. Right. That's all I really care about. Right. I'm gonna get a, get a sip of this coffee again. Just a second. Mmm. Mmm. What kind, what kind of coffee are you drinking there, Brad? I, coffee shop of horrors? No, no, I am just drinking uh, regular um, Folgers. I'm I'm a basic bitch. So, basic bitch. I, I I'm sorry that that's just that's just how I am that's how I am, but um you know we were speaking about kind of the improv dialogue. Another thing that I was reading was uh, some of the scenes were improv, uh, mainly because of the the tight schedule and the budgetary constraints of the film. There was a lot of times where he uh, would apparently he would just tell the you know the actor to to look sad, look sad in the scene, jump in the pool, look afraid. And they would have no idea at what part this was in the movie. They were just going by what he was saying, and he would feed them lines as the film was going. Um, and apparently there was also uh, multiple uh, endings that he was filming, so even the the, the um, actors didn't know what was going on. Uh, which was great, because I still don't know what's going on in the, in the movie, so it totally fucking worked. It's a total mindfuck of a movie. Oh, I, I love it. And you're talking, of course, about uh, Steven Tyler. That's Steven with a PH mm. for pretty fucking hot instead of uh, being Steven Tyler with a TV, which sounds like a venereal disease, which I think Aerosmith, they all have at, at this point. Whoa, whoa, but whoa. Uh, he also, Steven Tyler also played, the director, the writer-director, he also played the Creeper, right? Like the main uh, yeah. crazy slasher dude. Right. That, that's in that's in the picture, um, but I'm also wondering because he wears many hats or many surgical masks in this uh, film, so to speak. Uh, I don't have the notes in front of me. Did he edit the film as well? And like when he was shooting, was he shooting like on the edit? Because we know some of the great filmmakers, like well, like the independents I work with and you work with, but they're directors who uh, who shoot to the edit. You know, like they know what they're going to use and what they're not going to use and how it's going to match. And it sounds like what he was doing out at the pool or, you know, throughout the house. Uh, it sounds like he was maybe editing it in his mind as, as he went along. Do you know? Um, I don't know if he um, if he edited the film or not. Um, yeah, but I will tell you something that I did notice. Um uh, after a couple of our conversations, there's something that ties in the last slumber party with Blood Cult. Wait, hold on. Yeah, you're gonna tie this shit together. Yeah, and I had no. You're I, gonna package it up, put a fucking bow on. I it. had no idea. The same editor edits Blood Cult and edited the last slumber party. 
So I literally just asked you, did the director edit the movie? And you're like, I don't know. But here's a bit of information about who the editor actually is. Brad, you fucking know. You knew No, I didn't know if he was editing on the fly. I mean, hey, there's a bunch of directors that co-edit the film without taking Uh credit. And you know that, Mr. Filmmaker. No, I know that. I know that shit. I know that You should know it. I know it. You should know it. I mean, I... I maybe do. So, maybe I don't know. I might. Well, apparently, yeah. Apparently, the editors work together uh, with with um, with our other Christopher Lewis guy of Blood Cult Revenge and and the Ripper. So th- that was actually unintentional to tie those two films together when we were making our uh, preparing this show. But a little bit of a little bit of no, we did that shit on purpose, Brad. You fucking oh yeah 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 yeah. You don't say happy accident. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Right, unsung heroes of filmmaking. We, the editor. I mean, how many how many people can name their favorite editor? And I'm not talking about some Astron Six motherfucking Italian motherfucker. I'm talking about like actual fucking editor. Sally Minke. Arthur Schmidt. There you go. Boom. Hi Sally. Say hi Sally. How, hi Sally. Do you know what else is uh, <laughs> is great about this? Is motherfucking first strike. How can we up this movie up the ante a little bit? We get this kick-ass, no-hit wonder fucking metal band that has a killer fucking soundtrack. Um, And a good album, too. Wait, wait, wait. Stop, stop. Brad, I love you. Stop. Did you say First Strike? First Strike. Bro, I always pronounce it Fire Strike. Is it Jackie Chan? Or is it, like, fucking Howie Long? Like, I don't know. There's not an E in is there, it, is it? First it's F I R strike. So f- it spells out first. Is it first Reich? Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my Holy shit. You had the child molester movie first, and then now you have the fucking Hitler movie? Brad, what are you doing? Man. Oh man. What the fuck? First Reich? I'm sorry. Let, let, let's, you know, let's just move on. The, the soundtrack is great. But um, you know, I did want to jump back because uh, we did, I, we didn't. There was a few things I wanted to talk about. The dialogue, um, again, like the dialogue is crazy in this film. What's up with the gay bashing that happens throughout the film? Have you did you notice that? Like how the like number one, <laughs> the guy says awful shit to his girlfriend. Like, oh, you know, you're shitty. You know, fuck you. You're a fucking bitch. And then she's like, in return, saying, "Well, you're a fucking queer faggot," and says, "Oh, queer bait, get out of the closet." And it's like, why is there so much gay bashing dialogue in this movie? And it really stands out. It's, it's harmless. Eighties do a lot of coke and you know, vote for Ronald Reagan. It, it's it's it's, yeah. uh, it's harmless. It's it's very harmless. It's not it does it's not mean spirited at all. But it does stand out for sure. But um, it's just it's so many little. <laughs> it's not mean spirit. <laughs> it's not. It's not. It's not. I, I don't feel it is. No, it's not like they're picking on somebody and saying things. Um, you know, it's just kind of uh, gay bashing with your boyfriend or girlfriend. Um, but yeah, that that's that by far. Brad, have you ever had a girlfriend and called her like a bitch cunt? No, or something. No, I, <laughs> I, I'll say the word cunt, but I've never called her like a lesbo. I've never. Have you ever had a girlfriend and called her a lesbo? No, 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 no. So we talked about my favorite parts of the film. <laughs> what about yours? Because I love the dialogue, Brad. I have. Yeah. What, what, what's your favorite part? Tell me, Mike. So, Mike D. Tell me. Look, spit it out, baby. Um, I'm gonna spill it, girl. I'm gonna spill it, cookie. All right. 
at the end of the day, what I love about the last slumber party is the production design. We've already talked a bit about, uh, you know, the, the burn in on the TV set when they're watching the news and how it's like a very static, uh, image (laughs) that just says channel four news. I love it. It's it's like bright purple and it's got the yellows and it's, it's, it's glorious. It's great. But the number one fucking thing that they do in this movie for production design that I fucking love, it's the wallpaper, Brad. Oh, in the hallway. Oh my God. What is that? Yeah. It's almost like, it's like. It's almost like Stanley Kubrick esque, you know, like how he has how he has the very uh, uh, intentional design on the, the 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 floor at the Overlook Hotel in in The Shining, or you think of any number of walls that he has in like uh, Eyes Wide Shut. Like it's very garish, it's very over the top, it's very like of the time that that, that the film was shot. But uh, this fucking wallpaper, Brad, am I wrong? It looks exactly like the composition notebook, that black and white splatter composition notebook. Takes me back. uh, Takes me back. In in high school or or (laughs) if if uh, if you didn't finish high school, if you don't write for yourself uh, and if you're a movie like horror fanatic, think of uh, uh, what that piece of shit, Kevin Spacey, what he writes on in uh, in seven. You know, John Doe's notebooks, all that, that like classic black and white, like splattery, like who even came up with that design and why the fuck is it on a wall? And it's beautiful. I love it. I think it might be flowers. I thought it was flowers. It looks like flowers to me. I don't know. Hey man, you cross your eyes long enough. You start thinking like Freudian thoughts, like those Rorschachs become like whatever you need them to be, baby. And it became the composition notebook because the last celebrity party is definitely something to write home about in, say, a composition notebook. I don't you know what I would write in that know. composition notebook? I would write <laughs> about the awesomeness of the conversations that they have on the phone. Um, clearly, <laughs> oh, yeah. the actors are in the same room yeah. with one another and you can hear them just having the conversation while one's off screen and the other one's on screen on the phone. And it just cracks me up. It really does. I I, I, I laugh and like there is a there is, there are some quick cuts to another person on the phone, but <laughs> it's a different scene. But while that one scene's going on, you could totally hear those people in the same room together. But that's what I love about the film because there's there's um, I would li- like to call them honest mistakes. Uh, you know, it's really unclear whether it was due to budgetary reasons. Um, if they really thought this would work, no one's going to notice. But th- that's what I love about, about the film and the films we'll be talking about is there's a lot of those little things. And it's just it's like first-time filmmakers, filmmakers that are just making a movie just to make one to see if they can do it. And the little things that we uh, pick on and laugh at, it's it's also gives us that, um, you know, it gives the, that, that film a longer life. And that's the reason why we're talking about The Last Slumber Party, what, 1988? So, uh, what, 30 30 years later, we're talking about The Last Slumber Party? Literally 30 years. 30 years, literally. literally. The the internet tells me 30 years ago was 1988. So we're we're talking about, you know, this film still, like, you know, it just came out, uh, dedicating a whole entire show to it. So something uh, had to go right with this film. Um, and then that's that's what I love about shot on video films is those honest mistakes because they're funny, they're harmless, 
and you can sit back and laugh at it. Maybe the filmmaker may not laugh at it and hate himself for it, but it really does give something else for the film um, and having uh, having a good time. And that's what I said on the introductory episode is that it feels like friends of yours are making a movie and you're part of it. So, no, yeah, certainly, and you know, I mean, no, no fault of Steven Tyler. Okay, there's many things to fault a Steven Tyler for. But those things don't include, say, Liv Tyler or That Thing You Do or people that are P.H. Steven Tyler, like the mm. director of The Last Slumber Party. And look, let's you, – you, you want to talk about Liv Tyler for a second? Is that what's happening? No, no, no. I, I mean I, I talk about Liv Tyler on my other show, the Liv, Liv I mean, Tyler pod. If you want to talk about Liv Tyler, we could, we could do it. But um, no, That's no. That's my safe word. That's my safe word, Liv Tyler. That's your safe word, yes. My safe word is Arby's. You want to go back to Arby's? Yeah. Oh fuck it! Oh, with the oh the beef and cheddar and the horsey sauce. I think I, I'm gonna do two packs of horsey sauce. Mm, you want to go back to? Arby's, I fucking baby? double dare you. you I do double dog dare you. Well, let's <laughs> let's finish out this episode and we can go across the street and go back to Arby's. So, um, along with with oh, uh, with with these it. films, if you want to buy these films, uh, they're available through VCI. They're fairly cheap. And um, how much were they, Mike? Like six bucks, seven bucks, somewhere around there. Oh, six six ninety nine. Yeah, and you get scream. The scream theater line is six ninety nine a pop, including the one that they call uh, scream theater, like seventies screaming, which comes with I think like twelve movies <laughs> instead yeah. of the regular two. Every every edition six ninety nine, and then get they're it. all double bills. So if you if you buy Blood Cult, you get its sequel, Re- Revenge. And then if you buy Last Slumber Party, I believe the movie is called Terror at Ten Killer. That may sound made up, mm-hmm. but I, I think I'm pretty sure that's it. So, um, but yeah, those those would in. That's it. I mean, we just we just basically hopefully talked you into both of these films, watching them, eating the food with them. I hope you get some bagel bites and anytizers, some corals. Cor, cor, I can't. I always say curls when I'm speaking. Don't say cor. No, cl smooth. Baby. Cl just smooth. Make it easier. Cl. Smooth. I like that. I like that. CL, CL smooth. smooth road sodas. Ooh, yeah. are, are we gonna have some road sodas on the way back? <laughs> We need to, sweetheart. Right. Where where are we driving out for uh for next week's episode with Blonde Death? I think we we're going to L.A. Right? We're going to L.A. Uh, a place I've 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 yeah. been to before, and I can't wait to go back. So our our next uh, two films that we'll be covering is um, a recently um, rescued film from a Bleeding Skull Video, uh, rescued Blonde Death. Which is available through, uh, you know, Mondo T's Bleeding Skull Video, wherever you can find it. You can get it on, I believe, VHS and DVD over there. Um, that's uh, well. Right now, they only right now they only have the DVD. they only have I the DVD. Okay. That. Oh yeah, I, I, those they VHS sell out pretty quick. So Blonde Death is not a horror film. It is a drama, um, but I hope that makes you even want to watch it more because. There are very, very few um, shot-on-video dramas uh, and thrillers. It's mostly just horror. And our other film that we'll be talking about is available on DVD still. 
called, it's an iconic title, uh, Stuff Stephanie in the Incinerator. <laughs> and it's, uh, it's, 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 it's quite fun. And, um, I hope, I hope you, uh, dig those too. So make sure you pick those up if you want to follow along. Um, it, hopefully if you don't, or if you don't do that, hopefully we'll talk you into purchasing them after you listen to our next episode, which will be episode two. If we, if yeah, you continue and, to listen you know, to this, these beautiful voices, of course you will. Hey, look, Brad. The other thing too is uh, stuff. Stephanie in the incinerator. Although it sounds like a, a horror title or like a B horror title, it, it it reminds me. And we'll get into this next week, of course. But it reminds me of like a, a Harold Pinter play, like a like a murder mystery, <laughs> like uh, like Michael Caine in Death Trap. Yeah, that's what I love about it's, that it's, movie. It's so not I, really I full on horror, right? Yeah, it's not full blown horror. Right. So, um, yeah, it's kind of like it will, <laughs> again, we'll riff on it next week and talk about it and review it. But it, it, it's it's really like Kids in the Hall meets Death Trap meets Trauma. It's it's great. It's fantastic. Um, Brad, before we head out of here to go to Arby's, because I am starving like a Marvin. I'm Mar- I'm Hamlish. I'm Hamlish. How are you bro. hungry again? Hamlish. We just ate. I mean, I, I I know we only had one sandwich, but um, mm. you know, I could go for. Do you remember back in the day with Arby's? They used to do the yes. five for five, but when you got those five for oh. five sandwiches, they were full on oh. Arby sandwiches. Now. They like they have the the meal size sandwich, and then they have the five for five sandwiches with basically a, like the same size of a fucking White Castle burger. Um, it's <laughs> yeah. so so silly. The five for five's bullshit nowadays. You're right. I remember in I remember the last time I did the five for five. It was in uh, 2004. I was watching the, the, the re. This is obviously true. I was watching the remake of Flight of the Phoenix. I was like, "Yes, I'm going to watch a fucking Dennis Quaid movie." And I love Flight of the Phoenix, and like, I'm excited about this. And I was super hungover, and uh, I I went to Arby's and they were doing like the five for five, and I bought like ten of the motherfuckers, and it was it was full blown big ass fucking beefy bullshit sandwiches. It was the best day of my life, and I have. I you know I've I haven't reached a high that high yet again Brad yeah save me Keep, I I I I want to do the me. five for five I'm crying I I just want to go back in time and do the five for five when you actually got real roast beef and you could also do the beef and cheddars at that time and just sit in your car and cry and eat all five with no problem. Um, driving to your local <laughs> video store to pick up the last slumber party or blood cult, um, and then just going home and passing out fifteen minutes into the movie, and then continuing to watch the movie the next day. <laughs> yeah. Just me, okay? Just me. You know, there's there's another artist I want to talk about before we get oh, out of here, yeah? Brad. And we would be remiss if if we did if we did not mention him. Uh, bless his soul. I, I, I love this man, uh, Dustin Pace. Uh, he left us uh, early. In uh, in August of of last year, but um, but your work with him, you did some. I, I did work with him as well. We did this independently. He was our side bitch. Look, we both we we shared Dustin. We didn't know this until after he passed, but now we're bonded over it. But um, you did work with him over at Screamcast. I did work with him over at Splat House. But what were you guys working on that uh, that you have to to share with the world now, baby? Well, um, you know, through Screamcast, we did a couple pins. We did uh, an oily pin, which is now sold out. That was um, 
done by artist uh, Omar uh, Hookson. I don't know how to say his last mm-hmm. name correctly, but he's a great artist. He's done some big uh, major studio posters uh, and art. Um, he designed Oily, and then we also had a Suspiria pin that we did. Uh, during that time, Dustin was really interested in doing pins as well, and he reached out to me, and he said, where do you get your pins? How much are they? And we were talking about it, and I was like, well, if you want to do some pins, let's you know get together and, and come up with some ideas. So we're pitching ideas back and forth, and um, he was working on three pins uh, with us, and um, and uh, you know we're st- oily was selling well. Suspiria kind of um, kicked us in the butt, so we're like, all right, let's try to get some more of these off the ground before we move forward. And uh, you know, honestly, bef- before you know it, he he uh, he sadly passed away. Um, so in to help uh, raise money. Um, and and all the proceeds went to his his wife Tiffany. We released one of the one pins that was completely finished, which was our pumpkin head pin, which we called Pumpkin Duddy. And then um, we <laughs> had two other pins that we were working on that weren't finished. That I've been working with a couple of friends on um, finishing up the art was our possession pin that is now in stock. I just received it today, actually. Um, my girlfriend called me from home and she said, "Hey, where are you?" And I said, "Narlands." And she said, "You bitch." And I said, "Hey, I'll be back soon, sweetie. I'm with Mike D. Uh, just put the pins on the counter." Wow. So she told me they came out pretty well. Wow. So they came in today. So when I get back into town, I'll be shipping those out. And then we have another pin that I'm hoping to do. Um, it takes a, it's taken a little bit more work, but I will tell you. I'll give you a clue for those listeners that have bought pins and didn't care. Um, it is a film. Uh, it based or it's based off a film, um, kind of a woman like women empowerment film um, with a woman with a gun, and hopefully that will come. Uh, <laughs> come on, Brad! Jesus fucking Christ! Like, is it really? is that too easy? It's too easy. Jodie Foster and the Brave One, bro. Shit. Of course that's what you it got fucking it, is. got it, man. You fucking gave it away, you dumb motherfucker. So um, Dustin was a huge Jodie Foster fan, um, and he wanted to do a Jodie Foster pin because no no Jodie Foster pins exist, and we're doing a break. Well, he wanted to do a flight pe- plan. He wanted to do flight plan, but then you were like, no, we can't yeah, do the fucking triple-decker plane. Right, like, right. Yeah. So we're doing the uh, Brave One. Yeah. <laughs> So I hope people enjoy that. All right, baby. Great. Where can we get those? Give give us the website. I want to buy. You can. Them. I, I already bought them. I want to buy them again. Yeah, you haven't bought it. Um, we can. You can go to uh, Scream. You no, you piece of shit. No, stop, stop. You can edit this out. I fucking bought them. I haven't bought the possession one yet, but I'm that's that's on the fucking list. I want to make sure that you you did limited edition of those. You only have fifty of them, Brad. Like I want to make sure that the fans, like Duddy's Duddy's peoples, get them. You know, so, um, I order four or five at a time, so I don't want to take them all up. So uh, you can go to thescreencast.com. It will uh, direct you to a site called Screaming Threads. It's a big cartel site where you can get the other pins there. Some other stuff is coming soon, and uh, hopefully we'll be getting those out to you soon. But you know, right now I'm relaxing in New Orleans with my buddy Mike. Heading out to LA mm-hmm. in about a week. We're going to eat some. 
Yeah, we're gonna eat some hush puppies, gonna go over to the big fat motherfucking Arby's, get ourselves some beef and cheddar on that motherfucking onion bun, put one pack of horsey sauce, one pack of Arby's sauce, and you know what, motherfucker, I'm feeling a little tingly in my dicky, I might put two packs of horsey sauce because I said I was gonna do that earlier. Look, next week, we are watching and talking about Blonde Death. We are watching and talking about stuff, Stephanie, in the incinerator. Be ready for those. Fucking order them on Amazon. Go down to your local record store. Find find a used copy. Beat up your cool friend that, that has that shit and take it from him and give it back. And like also apologize and buy him like a Diet Dr. Pepper and some Totino's like pizza rolls. I don't fucking know. Stop. But find a way to watch fucking the fucking diet movies. soda. What's up with you and diet what? soda all of a sudden? I'm kicking heroin, bro. I need my aspartame. All right. So, for Brad, from the back to the middle and around again, Henderson, (laughs) this is Mike D telling you, begging you, pleading with you, go to your fucking library and stop the fucking blood cults, you piece of shit, bitch. Good night. (laughs) 